You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Mission Impossible, Part 7. Enjoy. Awesome. Yeah, so we're in a series right now called Mission Impossible. And you might think you just kind of happened upon Highway Church, but it could be that God led you here without you knowing it. It could be that God has a great plan and purpose for your life, and he wants you to get in on it. But see, in order to get in on the good plan that God has for your life, you've got to learn to trust him. And trusting him might seem difficult until you realize how much he loves you. And until you realize what he's done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. So at Highway Church, I believe the Lord's brought you here to bring you deeper in him. To help you experience more of him. To, re- to, to reveal more of Christ to you. I'm not interested in, in playing church. I want to experience Christ. And at Highway Church, we've got a a bit of a different message because we know something. We know Jesus didn't come to establish a political party. We know he didn't come to establish a code of morality. He didn't come to introduce a, a new class in philosophy. He came to bring us into a a resurrection uh, life-producing, death-destroying relationship with the one who made us. And that's why we're here. We're growing in that resurrection life with Christ. We're experiencing more of him every day. So at Highway Church, that's our goal is to help you experience Christ in your life. I mean, ice cream cone is no fun unless you eat it, right? You want to taste that thing. And in Scripture, Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And there are a lot of people going to church that haven't tasted of the goodness of God. And when you taste him, you'll want more and more and more. So, Father, we thank you for who you are showing up in our lives. We thank you, Father, for your presence here right now, setting people free. I speak peace to every heart, to every mind, in Jesus' name. Freedom, liberty, joy, and strength over every life and every family, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So you may not realize it, but God did the impossible for you. Long before you were born, God made a sacrifice on your behalf so that you can live a life that is abundant and victorious. And Romans chapter 8, verse 3 says this, For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son. And there's the key to life, God's Son, Jesus Christ. And we've been focusing on the last couple weeks The fact that the law was powerless to make you whole. Couldn't do it. But God did through the sacrifice of of his son. He's made provision for you to be whole. God sent his son so that you and I could be, we were broken, but so that we can be put back together again and made whole. And love the book of Acts. And I encourage you to read the book of Acts this week. Man, it's fresh. 
because you have uh, men who've been living and learning from Jesus, are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've got about 120 people full of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that's it, 120 people in the whole world? Right, full of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the world begins to change because of these 120 people, because they begin telling people the good news uh, that God did it through His Son. And they go around preaching this good news to the people they meet. In Acts chapter 9, one of those people, Peter, is preaching the good news, and he says to Anias, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Isn't that the gospel? It sure is. So we've been looking at that, and we asked the question, is it possible for you to be whole? So many have given up on the idea of them being whole. Well, the truth is it's not possible, but through Christ. Through Christ, it's yours. But it's the only way to be whole is through relationship with Him. And the possibility of you being whole doesn't, is not determined by how broken you are, but by what you believe. And that's so important. And I love this Jesus. He's so, he's so real. But in John chapter 5, verse 6, he's standing before a man that was crippled for 38 years. And the first thing he says to this man is, will you be made whole? What an excellent question. Are you willing to exalt me? above your past? Are you willing to exalt me above your life experience, above the things you've been through? Are you willing to exalt me above your religious doctrine? Are you willing to take me at my word? See, that's the difference between religion and relationship. Religion, listen to the last two Sunday's messages. There is a lot of food there that will help you grow strong in your relationship with Him. But we were using, uh, we were using 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's look at that again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 23, to understand being whole. The whole is the sum of the parts, right? God wants you whole. Verse 23, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians says, And the very God of peace, and you remember that word in the Greek is irene, means wholeness, to set it one again. All right? The very God of wholeness sanctify you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray, God, you're whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit, that Greek word there is pneuma. We talked about that two Sundays ago. That's the most important part of you. You are a spirit. It's the invisible, immaterial part of you and the most important part of you. And soul, that Greek word there is not the same as spirit. It's not pneuma, it's psyche, where we get our word psychology from, right? Your psyche, your emotions, your intellect, your will, all right? God wants your soul whole. And your body, okay, your spirit and your soul are connected. You cannot separate the two. You can only distinguish between them through the Word of God. Your body, however, is soma in the Greek. And you can separate your spirit and soul from your body. All right, when that happens, a person's body doesn't continue to operate. All right, your body needs your spirit and soul in it to be functioning. May your spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ from now until he comes. 
Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it, make you whole and keep you whole if you'll take him at his word. If you'll take him at his word. All right, so we talked about the spirit two Sundays ago. We talked about the soul last Sunday. We're going to talk about the body today, the soma. This is the physical material party. This is the only part of you you can touch with your hands, right? This is this physical part of you, this physical structure that we're living in. And uh, so really only two-thirds of you is invisible. You ever think about that? Only one, really, I don't even know if I'd say one-third. It's not really evenly divided. This is kind of like just the outer shell, you know. But most of you is invisible. Isn't that cool? You are the invisible man. Compared to your spirit and your soul, your body is the weakest part of you. It's the weakest part. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 6, love this Scripture, John chapter 6, verse 63, so important because most people are, have given their body the greatest significance and all of the attention to their own detriment. Because Jesus said it's the spirit, that's lowercase s, he's talking about the center of you, who you are. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Wow. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and our life. Wow, that's so important. That's so important. The words I speak unto you are spirit and life. In fact, Proverbs 4 says they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. So your body needs spirit life to be whole. That is the health food diet, the Word of God. Hallelujah. All right. So, let's see here. So you existed before your body did. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. You were around before your body was. Let's check this out in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Your spirit and your soul existed before your body. Very important to know that. Because what comes first takes uh, the, the, the priority. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand. Faith in what? In God, right? In his word, of course. By faith in God and in his word, faith in Christ, we understand. Boy, is that the truth. So if I don't have faith in God and his word, guess what? I don't understand. <laughs> I, there's things I can't understand apart from faith in him. There are things I can't experience apart from faith in Christ. This whole thing is a faith thing, isn't it? Our whole relationship with an invisible God is built on faith, right? right? We're, we're operating in the invisible realm. You can't do that any other way but by faith. Faith in what? In God and his word, okay? So by faith in God and his word, we understand invisible things. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Wow. So that the things which are seen, it's your body, right? Anything you can taste, touch, hear, smell, see. Things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So visible things came from invisible. 
things. So your physical body came from the spiritual realm. Let's connect this verse with Psalm 139.13 to help us understand it better. For you created my inmost being. We talked about this the last couple Sundays. In the Hebrew, the word there is kidneys. You created my kidneys. They're not talking about your physical kidneys. <laughs> talking about your spirit. That was in the Eastern culture, how they said the center of you. We say heart in our culture. We're not talking about right, this organ. We're talking about the spirit. Right? You created my spirit. And then what did you do? Then you knit me together in my mother's womb. See? That's what happened. God made you, and then he puts you in your mother's womb and, and knits you together with your flesh. Pretty powerful, isn't it? All right. So because God made you, he's concerned about every part of you. And he wants every part of you to be whole. In fact, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. I'm going to read the, the second part of 23 out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says, and may your spirit, soul, and body, pneuma, psyche, and soma, be kept sound. Amen. Ooh, I like that word. Amen. Sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Amplified says, sound and complete. Can I give you a definition from the dictionary of the word sound? Would that be all right? That's a great thing to do is to look up words. I love studying the etymology of words, where they come from. You learn so much. Here's what sound means. It kind of helps de-religify things for you, Right? Because words get religified, and you want to de-religify them so you can understand them. What does sound mean? It means healthy. Are you ready? Free from defect, decay, or damage. Wow. Free from injury or disease. Undisturbed. Deep and unbroken unshakable, unshakable health. Do you ever say that about yourself? I do. Thorough, complete, and perfect. Are you kidding me? No. That's the Bible. See, this is the gospel message that's been hid under man's religious tradition. Soundness of being. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Free from defect, decay, or damage. Free from injury or disease. Undisturbed, deep and unbroken, unshakable. Thorough, complete, and perfect. So Jesus invites anyone and everyone to come to him to be whole. Remember this word sound, and let's go to Matthew eleven twenty eight. now. We're going to see it again. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus invites you to come to him and experience the wholeness that he brings. But you've got to go to him. Right. Not a pastor or a minister. You've got to go directly to him. He's the author of life. All right? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus is talking, and I love the way he talks. He says, come to me. 
right? This is personal, one-on-one, you and him. Are you getting away with him during the week? Come on, don't go through a day without getting alone with Jesus. I, 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 I pray all throughout the day, you're driving somewhere, that's fine, but I'm talking about setting aside private time, just you and him, no phone, no internet, just you, his spirit, and your spirit communing. Make sure you're doing that. That's where the life is. Don't go through life without that. You're cheating yourself of the wholeness he brings. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We didn't even ask him for that. It's already a priority to him, mm-hmm. right? Meeting your needs is already a priority to him. He knows what you need before you ever even realize it. Your needs are his priority. Isn't that amazing? Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from your uncle. No, learn from me, right? Sometimes what uncle says is not true or aunt or grandma or mom or dad. You got to learn from him. How are you going to learn from him if you're not getting away with him? Right? Very difficult. This world's awfully noisy when you're not alone with him. And the noise of this world will drown out his voice if you're not cultivating this vibrant relationship with him. And that's done one-on-one. All right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will, this is a guarantee from Jesus, find rest for your souls. You remember that word sound? All right, you ready? Verse 30. It says, out of the amplified. The reason for the amplified, I think it came out in the 60s, 65 maybe, but it's a literal translation. But what they've done is they've taken the definitions of words and stuck them in the verses to help, help you understand them a little bit. And, and this is a great example. For my yoke is wholesome. Mm-hmm. What does wholesome mean? Makes whole right? Wholesome, useful, good. It's not harsh. It's not hard. It's not sharp. It's not pressing. Religion is those things, right? right? Jesus is not. But comfortable, Ah, gracious, and pleasant. See, when you get alone with him, these things will grow in you. His grace, the, 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 the comfort of his presence, the pleasantness of his presence in your life. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. I was having a challenging week this week and even yesterday, but I got alone with Jesus this morning and I'm like a different person because I experienced his presence and it changes us. So it says my yoke is wholesome. So you know what I do? I look up the word wholesome. And guess what I found? That which is conducive causes and brings about sound health. It's amazing how they all connect, isn't it? So Jesus said, my yoke produces and brings about sound health. Come to me for my yoke produces in you health that is free from defect, decay, or damage free from injury or disease, health that is undisturbed, deep and unbroken, 
unshakable, thorough, complete, and perfect, come to me. Sounds like I have that definition memorized, doesn't it? I do. I grabbed a hold of that years ago when I first read it. I began to speak it over my life and my family. Many years ago. Thank you, Lord. So come to me. Are you motivated to get alone with him? Because that's what produces Now, in order to experience this wholeness, like I said, you've got to come to him. Right? Christianity is is not about um, going to another person to intercede for you. Jesus is your direct connection, right? You don't have to go to anybody else. Anywhere that you are, he's there. And he's ready to respond to your situation. So you got to come to him now, all right? You got to come to him, and then you've got to take him at his word. You've got to believe that he is who he says he is. And that can be challenging if you've been told some things that aren't true about him. And boy, we all have. We all have. We're going we're gonna to address some of those. So the degree of wholeness that I experience in my life directly corresponds to the degree that I take him at his word, to the degree that I believe in who he says he is. Let's check this out in Second uh, Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. So in order to experience this wholeness, I've got to go to Jesus. There's no one else that can do it for me. And it's one-on-one time with him, and I'm submitting my thoughts, my beliefs, my attitudes to him and saying, change me. You're perfect. I'm not. Change me. I submit my faulty self to your, your perfect self. Right? Now, in Christ, we've been made the righteousness of God and given a perfect standing with Him, but we're not God. Right? So we need to submit our ideas to Him, our beliefs to Him, because He's Lord of all. All right? Now, look what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace, God's unmerited favor, God's riches at Christ's expense, and peace. There's that word again from 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Irene, wholeness. Grace and wholeness be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God. That's experiential knowledge, right? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us 23% of the things we need. I'm sorry, that's not right. Seeing, to, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. How? How do we access the everything that God has provided for us? Through the true knowledge of him. Big emphasis on true. I grew up in a very religious family and culture, and we did not know Jesus. And when I started reading the book of John at the age of 19 or 20, I was shocked at who he really was. So don't think because you've grown up in any kind of a church that you know him. You've got to take him 
at his word. Right? That's, his word is the true knowledge of who he is. Who called us by his own glory and excellence. Look at verse 4. For by these, his own glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Why did he do that? In order that by them, by what? His word, right? His precious and magnificent promises, you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. So it's through the true knowledge of who Christ is that wholeness is multiplied in my life. So important. So important. That's what's so special about Jesus. How do you remember you used to, I remember you used to say, he's the special. Remember that? Man, you got that right. He's the special. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus just, here it is. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Is he being arrogant in that statement? No. Uh-uh. He's just being honest. <laughs> right? It's not arrogant of him to say the truth. He's just being honest. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here's a scripture I want you to grab a hold of to help us grab a hold of the wholeness that he brings. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We're exalting Jesus, okay? We're exalting who he revealed himself to be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, the first five books of the New Testament. That's who he is, and he hasn't changed, all right? Regardless of what man or woman has told you. So here's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, one of the most important passages in all of the Bible. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in who? Jesus, right? In his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Look at verse 3. And Jesus, that's he, and Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And are you ready for this? And the exact representation of his nature. Jesus is the exact representation of the will and nature of God. Why is that important? Because as I'm reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Hey, how's the Bible reading plan going, by the way, guys? How are we doing? What are we in, 2 Thessalonians? No? But it's the one-a-day plan. If you're not in that plan, you can grab a sheet on your way out. Okay, we read one chapter, that's all, one chapter from the New Testament, Monday through Friday. And there's a, there's a little uh, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper out there. You can take that and join in with us. It's great. One chapter from the New Testament. And by the time we hit our second birthday, We'll, we'll be, all, be all the way through the New Testament, all right, in February. All right, excuse me. So anyway, what was I saying? 
by reading the scriptures. Matthew, Ma Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. So because Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of God, when I'm reading the scriptures, right, not my, not my own version of them, not something I've created, but the scriptures, and you know that the New Testament has more physical manuscripts it's like 25-some thousand physical manuscripts that have been discovered, discovered to validate its authenticity than any other writing in history. Shakespeare doesn't even come close. Plato, Socrates, no way. No book has a support that this book has for the authenticity of what we're holding in our hands. So as I'm reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, I'm reading, I'm seeing God in the flesh. Why is that important? Because if in seeing Jesus, something that I believe doesn't agree with who he has revealed himself to be, I need to change what I believe in order to experience him, right? If I believe that my wife's name was Clyde, I wouldn't get to know her because she wouldn't even answer when I called, right? I've got to know his name. I've got to know his character. His character is revealed. How are you going to know him if you don't know him, who he is, right? So we gotta, we've, got to, we've got to change what we believe and embrace who he really is. And we all need to do that, regardless of what church you've grown up into. Sound like a chipmunk's there. Thanks, Judah. That's pretty cool. Can you do that? Give me a chipmunk. Go ahead. You know how to do it? I'm oh, very good. Isn't that cool? Yeah. All right. All right, that's enough. <laughs> Church with the chipmunks. All right. So when we do this, when we're willing to take him at his word and we start, and I, I did this once. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts all the way through three times in a row in 30 days in the Amplified Translation. Wow, was that a great exercise. I learned so much about who he really is. I did it twice for 60 days. So I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all the way through three times in 30 days in the Amplified Translation, and then I did it again because I really wanted my revelation and understanding of him to go to another level. And boy, was that a great exercise. Highly recommend it. So for example, so let's look at this Jesus in Luke chapter 14. The exact representation of the will and nature of of God. Because what you're going to see is that this Jesus wants you whole. And that your wholeness is a priority to him. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees. So this is a prestigious man's home. A religious leader that is esteemed in his community that people would take his word for things. And now Jesus, the word, is in this man's house. All right? To eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. Why do you think they invited him over? They wanted to try and trap him, right? They're scrutinizing everything he does and says. They don't care about him. And that's how religious people can be, huh? Scrutinizing. Sad. Verse 2, can you imagine Jesus in your home and you're there to scrutinize him instead of receive the life that he brings? Verse 2, and behold, there was a certain man before Jesus who had dropsy. That's an abnormal swelling of the body. 
And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees. These are experts in the scriptures who have studied them and have degrees them, right? Who have, who have been schooled thoroughly in the scriptures and they're there to criticize him. <laughs> he says to them, is it lawful? Because that's what religious people think in terms of law, right? Are you doing it right or are you doing it wrong? So he knows them, right? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So Jesus has two things in his mind, healing this man and their religious hypocrisy. He wants to try and bring them out of law into life, right? Stop thinking so much about what's lawful and start thinking about what produces life. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? God, you're so good. Hallelujah. But they kept silent. <laughs> they have no answer. Why? Because they're so focused on the law. You have no life when you're focused on the law. And he took him and healed him. So notice him healing him didn't depend on their answer. He was going to do it anyway. And he took him and he healed him and he let him go. Then he answered them saying, now look what he likens healing this man unto. Which of you, because he's got to try and get through their, 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 this wall that they've built in their hearts. Which of you having a donkey or an ox, we could say a dog in modern, right, that's fallen into a pit will not immediately love that word. In other words, it's a number one priority in your life. You're out walking with your dog and your dog falls into a, a hole and can't get out. And you're going to say, oh, sorry, Spot. It was nice knowing you. See you later. No, you're going to do everything you can to get your pet out of a hole. Right? Which one, which one of you? See, even religious people can relate to that. Will not immediately put him out on the Sabbath day. And they could not answer him regarding these things because he was right. He was showing how wrong their thinking was, right? They thought it was more important. Uh, the, they thought the law was more important than someone being healed. And many today think that of their religious tradition and doctrine, that it's more important than someone being healed. So here, that's the, this is God talking now. He's just revealed to us that to him, it's a, it's a number one priority for that man to be whole. And guess what? It's a number one priority for him for you to be whole. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Let's go there. Hallelujah. Oh, I love Jesus. He likens a sick one unto an animal in a pit needing immediate attention. Wow. Matthew 4, 23. This is one, I think I, I read this earlier, but there's also a summary of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 9, but here's another one. They're almost identical. Verse 23 says, And Jesus, right, the exact representation of God, went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, telling people how wrong they were, and finding fault with people, and accusing them of breaking the law. No. He went about teaching in their synagogues, Preaching the good news of the kingdom. That's what gospel means. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. 
And those three priorities have not changed. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Verse 24, and his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people. Why? Because they knew he heals all sicknesses that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy. Lunatic, what's that? Mental illness, right? you telling me God heals mental illness? Absolutely. Why would that be any different? See, man's put that into a special category, and that's what man does. Man who's not in relationship with the exact representation of God will categorize different diseases. Well, that might be able to be healed, but not that. Jesus doesn't do that. It's all covered in his sacrifice, including mental illness. Hallelujah. The lunatic and, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Hallelujah. That's who he is. And boy, I'd like to go on all day to go from Scripture to Scripture to Scripture that just reinforce these passages we've just read. We're going to do two more, and then we're going to wind this up. John chapter 3. Ta-da! Are you ready for this? One of the most widely published verses in the Bible and one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. We're going to start in verse 14. Verse 16 is the one that so many uh, are familiar with. Verse 14 says, John chapter 3, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This is preceding verse 16. This is the foundation of verse 16. Very important. People skip right over this verse. What did Moses do in Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9? God's people rebelling against God, not taking him at his word, disobedient unto him, opened the door for the enemy, and physical, real-life poisonous snakes came into the camp. And they physically were biting God's people's physical bodies, and that physical venom was going in their physical bodies, and they were dying. We're talking about the physical body, right? And Moses sought the Lord, and he said, make a pole and put a bronze serpent on top. And then it says in the Amplified of Numbers 21.9 that whoever attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze would look at this snake would be healed. That's the Amplified. So whoever would attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze would be healed. And that's how you have to look at Jesus. That's the comparison here that the scriptures are making. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, Jesus is about to be lifted up. And if you will attentively, expectantly, with a steady, absorbing gaze, focus on him and him alone, not what man says, not what you found on the internet by searching and Googling your situation, but if you'll just focus on the revealed character and person of Jesus Christ, he will make you whole. And that's where the challenge, because the devil doesn't want you to focus on that. He doesn't mind you coming to church so much, but when you start focusing on the revealed Christ and you start taking the revealed Christ's very own word for your situation, man, he doesn't want that. 
He'll try and pull you away from that and distract you and say, well, that's not really true. How do you know this? And you can't know that. But so-and-so says this. And remember that happened to so-and-so. And remember what happened to you three years ago? And, and, and all of a sudden, you're, you're spinning. And your focus was taken off of the revealed Christ so you don't have a steady, absorbing gaze anymore. You've got a kind of a wondering, confusing gaze, right? Where did Jesus go? Oh, oh, there he is. No, that's not us. We've got this attentive, expectant, steady, absorbing gaze on Jesus, the revealed will of God, and we're not going to let man's philosophy pull us off of it. We're not going to let what we've been through pull us off of it. We're fixed on who he is. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Just like looking at Moses, the snake that he made. Here's verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. They were perishing in the old covenant, right, by the poison of the snakes. But of everlasting life, Satan will try and poison you. That ancient serpent will try and poison your thoughts with man's traditions to keep you from the revealed Christ. Now, verse 17, are you ready? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Boy, has that word been religified. Most people think he's talking about going to heaven. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Yes, if you're saved, you'll go to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. The Greek word right there is S-O-Z-O. And guess what it means? Made sound made whole. There are two words in Greek that are used when you read save, saved, or salvation in the New Testament. The primary words used are sozo and soteria, which comes from sozo, and they mean made whole, healed, whole. So I encourage you to put the definition of that word anytime you read saved. For the God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be made whole. Let's look at the amplified of that verse 17. But that the world might find salvation and be made safe and, uh-oh, sound. Here's that word again. The Amplified says made safe and sound. Why does the Amplified translate it safe and sound and the King, the King James and others say saved? Because it's the same word, right? That those who believe in him uh, would be made whole, would be made sound, would be made safe. That word also means, right? One more scripture. We're going to look at the same word again. Sozo, soteria, save, saved, salvation means to heal, to make whole, to keep safe, to preserve, to protect. Those who call in the name of the Lord shall be made whole, protected, kept safe. See, de definitions can help you dereligify the fogginess around his word. Okay, here it is, Mark chapter 5, last scripture. Woman with the issue of blood paid everything she had to try and get well and couldn't and was no better. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith, the King James says, has made you whole. Any verses say saved you? Some verses say saved you there. Some translations, right? Daughter, your faith has sozo you. That's the word. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be whole. 
of your plague. The Amplified says it this way. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your trust and confidence in me, springing from faith in God, hath restored you to health. That's another way of saying saved. Isn't that shocking? That being saved means being healthy? Wow, is that a, a, a shift in, in, in thinking, right? Your faith has restored you to health, has sozo you, has saved you. Go in or into peace, wholeness, and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease, the gospel. Last translation, the Weiss translation. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has saved you. Same thing. They are synonymous. To say you are saved is to say you are whole, according to Jesus. Your faith has saved you. Be going into a state of peace and be continually sound Amen. in body. Amen. Wow. Healed of your affliction. Now, chances are this is maybe even shocking to you, which is one of the reasons so few, relatively speaking, experience the soundness that Christ brings because they've been told it's not even available for your body, that your body's not that important. When we get to heaven, we'll get new ones, so don't worry about it now. Just deal with it. That's not the heart of Jesus. That's not the gospel. He came to make your body whole just as he did your spirit and your soul. And we've got to wind this thing up. Father, we thank you for this time with you. Lord, we gladly give you every belief that we have, every tradition, every past experience, and we say, Jesus, be Lord of our thinking. Be Lord of every thought, of every belief, of every desire. We embrace you as you are, the resurrection and the life. And we ask you to change us that we would see you as you are. Life and life abundantly. And we thank you for it. By your spirit and through your word, in Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.